This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. It is a special day today, and you'll find out more about that special day later in the show. But Barry wants to talk about superheroes, men wearing tights with their undies over the top. I just don't believe it. The decorum of the show is getting low. It's a bridge superhero, Mariana. Oh. It's true. Just when things were looking really dire at the Otago Swiss Pairs on the weekend, out of the shadows, faster than a receding mullet, able to leap small buildings in a single bound, it's Spreadsheet Man to the rescue. It was our friend of the bridge zone, and I hope he's still our friend after this, Bradley Johnston, to the rescue. He scored the whole event on a spreadsheet, Mariana. Really? I don't know how well it went, and the final result isn't out, but they were able to run the event, and they even came up with winners. So the Otago Swiss Pairs, they're going to be the main event this week on the first result I'm giving. The provisional winners, so I've heard, are Francis Shahi and Peter Mountain, and Bradley Johnston came in second with Sam Coots. Was there a system failure? Or? I think there was some sort of glitch with the score. I'm not 100% sure what happened. It was in Dunedin and I was in Hamilton, so I don't really know. Just what I've heard. But anyway, well done, Bradley. Did a great job. Round of applause, Mariana. How resourceful is that friend of <laughs> yeah, ours? Yeah, that's very good. So he did really well. Brilliant. Other results from the weekend. The Waikato area peers held in Hamilton. Tim and Helen Healy. You know what their scores were, Mariana? I think they should be swabbed. I don't know. 72.54% in the first session, and then they followed up with a miserable 65.34% in the second session. They won by a country mile. I did say to Tim, how did this morning go? He said, it went very well, thank you. I'm going out to buy a lotto ticket. (laughs) I guess when you get 72, you know you've done well. Goes to show, Barry, you should be wearing a face mask. Yep, Tim had a mask on and they averaged just a touch under 69. Wow. Incredible scores in my dreams. (laughs) Well done to them. But probably the major event on for the weekend, of course, was the National Appears in Palmerston North. Yes, yes. So that was taken out by Charles and Anthony Kerr. And second were Patrick Darcy and Graham Norman. Well done to them. Yeah, okay. Plate was won by Kevin Hu and Zachary Yarn, and the Constellation by Peter Benham and Brian Cleaver, the old firm, back in business. They would have been the youngest lads there as well, by a country mile. Who, Peter Benham and Brian Cleaver? I think you've got no, the wrong names. No, Kevin and Zachary. <laughs> yes, I, I, was aware of, I was aware of that. I don't think anybody would suggest the Even other way around. Even if you added their ages together, they'd probably still be one of the younger ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, fantastic. I see my friends Hans and Anne, they did pretty good in the first session. They pulled out a 53 coming fourth. Yeah, the there's always pretty something good. to aim for when you're playing at these major events. A 15A, yeah. the National Pairs, was a big event. Charles and Anthony Kerr get their name on another trophy. Director, please. 
How can I help? Judge Julie presiding. Question one. North opens two no trumps, goes past by east and south bids three diamonds, which is alerted as a transfer. Pass back to north, who now rebids three diamonds. A fine bid, I'm sure you'll agree. Unfortunately insufficient. If the next hand decides they don't want to accept three diamonds, whatever that might mean... Incidentally, I did have a look at the hand, Julie, and the only suit that North actually had was diamonds. They had a four-card diamond suit, 3343. Three, three. What happens now? So it's really interesting because an insufficient bid is one thing and an unintended bid is a different thing entirely. First of all, the fact that three-diamond bid by the Tuno Trump opener could well be unintended. They might have made a mistake or they might have intended to bid three hearts there was a disconnect between the brain and the pen or whatever, and they bid three diamonds, which certainly does happen. What happens there is, first of all, sometimes players will say they made a mistake. They bid three diamonds deliberately, and they never should have, in which case the rule around insufficient bid will apply. The other thing is that they might never have intended to do it, in which case the director will look at their hand and determine what they intended. A good example might be that if it gone to no trumps, three clubs by their partner, they would have bid three diamonds. So they may just have misread the auction. We'll take it that unintended does not apply and the insufficient law does because it is certainly something that you would look at when you got to the table just to be clear about what was happening. If a bid is unintended, the opponents get, don't get the chance to accept it or not accept it. They just get to correct it if it's unintended. But when it's insufficient and it's not accepted, then it has to be made sufficient. Now, they could bid four diamonds natural, in which case the auction would continue normally, or they could make a different bid, including pass, in which case their partner cannot bid again. So in this situation, if they had that four triple three hand or something like that, you would expect that they would bid game in either no trumps or in hearts on the basis their partner would not be bidding again. I guess it gets trickier if if they have just opened one no trump and partner transferred because, okay, when you've got 20 points, I guess you think there's quite a good chance you've got game on. But if you've only got 12 or 15 to 17, (laughs) partner might just want to play in two hearts, mightn't they? Absolutely. So what's the answer, Julie? Do you just toss a coin? Yeah, pretty much. You've got to decide. Perhaps partners are past 10, so yeah, that's easy. Maybe we have game, but probably we don't. Maybe the opponent's gone past by one opponent, one no trump by you, passed by the other opponent. Now you've got a problem, because you've just no idea. So you, what, what you're saying is you might end up playing your grand slam in two hearts if you're not careful. Oh, absolutely. Well, you're not going to end up in a grand slam, are you? <laughs> no. It's like there's a difference between... Mistake and unintended? Yeah, a mistake is something you do deliberately, right? I mean, I deliberately turned the corner because I just didn't see that car coming in that hit me, right? Okay, I didn't give way. I made a mistake. I didn't see it. I deliberately put down one no trump with my 16 count because I did not count that ace in my hand or I miscounted. I put three diamonds on this hand because I thought partner had bid three clubs. Mm. I wasn't looking properly. A a very large number of things can happen. But one thing is clear that when they bid three diamonds, something had gone wrong, and we don't know what. Often people that make an unintended bid will clearly demonstrate it at the table because they're so surprised by what they've done. 
So we make a bid. We know we wrote down three hearts, but when we looked at the bidding pad or at the bidding cards, they were something completely different. So we were stunned, and you can see people, you know, look mm. horrified. So some of the time it is absolutely clear from the reaction about whether it was intended or unintended. And many years ago, when we had things about pause for thought and breathing, all sorts of things, Graham Endicott, who wrote a really, really good book on the laws and gave examples and how to interpret them quite a long time ago, had a really good phrase, which was a dislocation between your mind and your pen. So what you wrote was not anything close to what you thought you were doing. And that is unintended. Okay, question two. And it probably happens a lot around the place. (laughs) When you're asking questions about the opponent's bidding, is it always got to be the same person that explains? Say the auction is over and somebody's on lead, they want to ask questions about the bidding. Who do they ask? Who gives the answers, Julie? Very clearly, Law 20, Review and Explanation of Calls, and 20F is about the explanation of calls, except on the instruction of the director, replies should be given by the partner of the player who made the call in question. The partner of a player who asks a question can't ask supplementary questions, etc. The person that is the partner of the player who made the call is the person that should the explanation. So we had a situation where one of the partners felt like his partner was not very familiar with the system and he didn't want him to explain anything so he took over and gave both explanations and said you're only entitled to know our system you're not entitled to know that my partner has made a mistake or doesn't know what my bid means. Well, there are a couple of things. One is there are two types of agreements. There are explicit agreements and there are implicit agreements. And implicit are agreements that occur over time by partner fudging things, for example, a week to often having a five-card suit becomes an implicit agreement because partner just keeps doing it for whatever reason and I can't stop them. A no-trump opener, 12 to 14, that is now 11 to 14 or is off shape. One of the most common ones we get is where we transfer like partner opens one no-trump, we bid two diamonds, partner bids two hearts this time and we bid three diamonds showing diamonds, not showing game interest in hearts or something. So that becomes an implicit agreement that when we bid two diamonds and we alert it and it's asked, it is not just a transfer to hearts, it is either a transfer to hearts or a sign-off in diamonds. Because by what happens at the table, that is what occurs. Clearly the law says that the person you ask should answer the question, so when they answer it when they shouldn't, you can call the director. But the other thing is that if the person that answers the question tells you that this is their system agreement as it is written down, and they front up with something different in the hand, then you would be calling the director. Because there might be something there about implicit agreements that you have not been told. Wow. Those are things that I guess do happen. I I must admit, I didn't think that happened very much, but Julie, you suggested that it might happen more than I thought. One of 
those things, since a dummy's hand is different to expect, if things are different, at the end of the hand you will get information. Probably the critical one is when you're asking declare the meaning of something and dummy explains it and dummy's hand is different to what the bid means. When you ask declare about what dummy's bid means and dummy leaps in to tell you the systemic meaning and then dummy goes down and it's different, well, you might have chosen a different lead. But all of that can be clarified by calling the director to the table and finding out exactly what should have been explained. Okay. You're only entitled to the system agreement. You're expected to get those from the partner of the bidder, not from the... Uh, 100%. If you ask somebody the meaning of the bid of their partners, but that person should be the one answering the question. If they don't and something is different to expectation, then um, you would be calling the director to find out what is going on. You know, when you say at the end of the auction and you, like, explain the bidding, you might feel a little bit funny. It's like, no, 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 it's not your turn. I want to know what he said. (laughs) That could make it a little bit titchy, don't you think? I mean, the point is, this happens a lot with director's calls. You are not the person doing the wrong thing. Your opponent is. And the um, introduction to the laws of bridge gives the meanings of words. So to be clear, if you should do something, failure to do it is an infraction, jeopardising the infractor's rights, but not often penalised. But that means that if someone persists in giving explanations for when they shouldn't, that the director can penalise them for not doing the appropriate... So in the laws, should, should is, one of the, is, is not one of the stronger terms, is it? It's, it's should not, is absolutely. Anything that's got a not after it oh, okay. becomes a lot oh, stronger. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. But should is something you wouldn't normally penalise, but if you're someone that repeatedly doesn't do something, mm. then you would be penalising them. Okay, the sermon's <laughs> over for the day? <laughs> Generally, it doesn't matter who answers the questions, it won't be a problem. If it does become a problem, you call the director and let the director sort out the problem. If your opponents think you're getting tetchy, call the director. The director is there to take care of the problem so that you remove it from the table and you play. Hey, Dolly, before you go, we had some awesome news this morning. So Barry and I came into the studio. I was on time. He was late. That is not (laughs) true. It was the other way around. As usual. (laughs) We both came into the studio and we were just catching up like we normally do, shooting the breeze, and the entire Free FM staff came into the studio and they're all coming in one by one and they're clapping and I thought, oh my God, I've parked in somebody's car park. I've done something wrong. What have you done? I was thinking Broadcasting Standards Authority. We swore too much last week. And then they passed us the stats for the podcast for July 2020, and they are amazing. So being a crucial part of the Bridge Zone team... Barry's going to announce what happened. Yeah, we're number one for the month of July, the Bridge Zone. 2,000 ahead of the next show. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. It is really great. (laughs) And so good everyone's listening. (laughs) And congratulations. The the other news is they're listening to you, Julie, so you you better make sure you don't don't say any words you shouldn't. Yeah. Okay, well, I hope that means that Mariana will bring me more chocolate fish when she plays a tournament. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) By the way, so the figure was just under 12,000 hits for the month. Yeah, a Thousand nine hundred and forty-four people listen to the Bridge Zone 
last month. You just shortchanged us by five. What? I've got 11,949. You said four. 944. Four. <laughs> oh, sorry. 11,949. Go on, get it right. Every single person is so important. They are. We want to, you don't want to miss five. <laughs> and guess what, Julie? They gave us two bottles of medicine. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. I should come down and visit sometime very, very, very soon. Well, we've got a rosé, so if I save that yep. until you come down for Congress. When you come down, yep. we'll crack I'm it sure, open. Yep, it sounds good. Yeah. We could have rosé and chocolate fish. <laughs> She's got Cabernet Sauvignon. Anyway, that's all cool. Thank you, Julie. You are a gem. That's why we've got so many listeners. Oh, great. Okay, anyway, thank you, and have a great week. We will. Bye Thanks, for now. Chicky. See you See next you. week. Bye, bye. Tell me about bridge mentoring since we're down in Palmy. Yeah, I was reading about bridge mentors. What did your bridge mentor teach you? You've probably got something to tell me, Mariana, but the first one I really liked, it said, the cards don't know they're vulnerable. <laughs> You know, he's like, oh, I didn't want to bid because I was vulnerable or whatever. They get, the cats don't know they're vulnerable. Nobody's told them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's not to say don't watch it when you're vulnerable. Number two, no one will blame you for leading partner's suit. That's pretty standard. Well, yeah, but if you've got King, Queen, Jack, 10 of your own, I reckon you should give it a whirl. Find reasons to bid three no trumps. Instead of going past it? Yeah, so find reasons to bid three no trumps, not reasons not to bid three no trumps. Just do it. <laughs> You're getting paid by Nike, are you? Yes. <laughs> Something like either, either that or the Labour Party. Number four, if you believe your opponent's more than your partner, get a new one. Partner, <gasps> that is. Really? I can't believe they said that. <laughs> Somebody did. Okay. Number five, bid whenever it is at all reasonable. Well, what's the definition of reasonable? Well, Come on. I didn't go there. His name was Steve Lebens. That was what he said. So if you're thinking, well, close to a bit, out of it, if it's reasonable, if it's crazy, don't do it. If it's reasonable, do it. Somewhere in the middle is the tricky bit, isn't it? Okay. But all whenever right. it, it is at all reasonable. Number six, establishing your long suit is generally better odds than finessing. That's a very old one. Easily Blackwood actually said that. Always count your tricks at the start of the hand. That's if you're a declarer. Well, I guess you should do it when you're defending, but it's not so easy. Michael Rosenberg's tip to his juniors was knock out the ace. That's a good one. Oldie but a goodie. Number nine, plan your play at trick one. Yeah, 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 we all know that. But do we do it? Number 10, Bob Hammond, one of my favourites. Put the cards back in the board and go on to the next hand. Yep, it's only the next hand that counts. Don't dwell on it. And I've got an extra one. It was going to be my top 10, but I quite like number 11. It said, don't make it difficult for your opponents to find their 4-4 fit when you know that trumps aren't breaking. That's like you've got a singleton. But how you know that it's a 4-4 fit and not a 5-4 fit, I haven't quite figured out. Anyway, there you go. 11 tips that'll improve your game. Which one's your favourite out of it? Well, I don't know. I think I like the first one. The cards don't know they're vulnerable. True. I don't know. I reckon some of mine know. <laughs> <laughs> you got those dodgy things. You know, those reasonable, crazy. There's a song called Beautiful Crazy by Luke Coombs, who actually, he got married in the last week. Does he play bridge? No. Well, let's I move on it. then. There's a redneck. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> My favourite one, I quite like Knock Out the Ace. You like Knock Out the Ace? Yep. I Peace. 
I know. What's going on there? Well, nobody can hold any trials. Mm-hmm. I understand that some of the, at least one of the provinces, wanted to still try and hold a trial on an odd weekend, but they weren't allowed to do that. All of the provinces are going to select their teams just for 2020. I had a conversation with one of the Waikato pairs that were in the intermediates last year. One of them has gone to open. Mm. So the other one's left behind and he's like, I didn't even think to put in a submission because I won't be a recognised partnership. What is that about, you know, not being a recognised partnership? It's so crucial that I believe we should let these people that are up and coming change partnerships. Happens all the time. But the old people, so did I say that? Sorry. The old partnerships are just going to keep on being selected. Well, I think that's probably the case. Uh, you know, the selectors are probably going to go for a well-known partnership. When you're playing in a long event like the Interpeace, yep. you probably do want somebody that is comfortable in their partnership and yep. hopefully you're not going to have too many mishaps. And when we're talking about the Interpeace, this isn't one of these wishy-washy things where we want to try and make everybody happy and we don't have any winners and losers. We're trying to pick the best team, Mariana. We yep. don't put these people in because they haven't played before, so they'll be hopeless, but we'll stick them in anyway, whatever. Yeah. Uh, mm. We do need to pick the best team. We're not just trying to put people in to make them happy. So I guess that's why they're going to go for those. Now, if the, it is an up-and-coming partnership, what they need to do is play in some stuff and win it. And then they'll, get, it. then they'll get noticed. Yeah, and they then will. the selectors will pick them. Because sometimes on the weekends when you are trialling, the recognised partnerships and generally stronger partnerships, they just don't fire. So I guess you've got that to think about too. That's right. I mean, this is an unusual situation where everybody's going to get selected. Have you had a phone call yet? No, didn't put my name in. Oh, well, that'll be why you didn't get a phone call. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd have been ringing you for sure. What about you? Well, we put our names in the mix, so we'll see what happens. Oh, you put it down. When is the IPs going to be played? I think it's the end of November. 25th of November, is it? Off the top of my head. Right. And it was South Island last year, was it? I think it's going to be in Wellington this year. Right. You know, that scary Wellington airport is a bit of a worry. <laughs> last time Jenny flew in there, she said she was never doing it again. So when I said we were putting our names in... I didn't mention to her about the Wellington thing. I thought it was best she didn't know. And I know that um, somebody else did the same thing. Well, you could always drive. It's a nice drive going down the island. With Blair and Liz, actually. Blair said, I'm not telling Liz. I'm not telling Liz it's in Wellington because she hates it. (laughs) Well, tell her to fly to Carpety and then drive on down. Well, good luck. Do you know who's had the submissions for Waikato? For Waikato Bays, I think the the committee is going to decide, I think. Okay. I, I don't really know. I think they all the names will go forward and the committee will make a decision at, at, at a meeting well, sometime soon, I guess. So Congress still coming up, Mariana. Have you heard any news about what's going on with Richard Solomon and the new venue and the entries and the lunch? Well, no, the venue's still the same, Barry. Sorry to disappoint you there. <laughs> so I have had a chat with Richard and he's saying that the registrations are going up. He's got at least 42 teams entered in both the open and the restricted teams. That's and total. Each, each. Each. So there's 84 teams entered. At the That's moment, good. Yeah. And 40 registrations so far each in the open and restricted pairs. So they're increasing. So please, people, remember, try and register as quickly as you come. Come for the whole amount. Remember, check out that nice new fee for the whole event, Barry. 
Did you see what it was? $350 a go yeah. instead of 410 Can't be bad. Can't be bad. Eh? That's really good. Super good value. So please check in, have a look, and let the gatekeeper be happier. Yep, I bet that gatekeeper will be looking out for the Blue Falcon zooming in there <laughs> over the Carapiro Dam. Yeah, actually, it's so pretty out there. It's, I hope the weather's nice because it's really good when you're out sitting out there eating your lunch on all those steps and looking out over the river. You heard it on the Bridge Zone first, folks. She only goes to eat her lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about, if you don't mind, your opinion on ace asking. It's a couple of hands over the last couple of weeks in various events that we've played in. And some people struggled to get their ace asking systems right. So I think with ace asking, there's two things. One is, if you've got a void, not much good asking for aces. You really need to be doing some sort of cue bidding or, or whatever. So asking for aces with void is not really that useful. Because when you get the answer, unless you've got all of them, it's not going to be that much help. The other thing is that Asking for aces is the last step you do before bidding slam. So what you should be thinking is, yep, we've got enough points, we've got a fit, I've got everything sorted, I know what suit we're going to play in, and I think we've got enough for slam. I just want to check that we're not off two aces. It's not saying, well, I wonder if we've got slam on. I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll ask for aces. That's not the way to go. The way to go is only when you know that you've got two hands that fit well enough with enough points between them and enough tricks between them to make slam for no trumps or, or whatever you're doing is just to check to make sure we're not off two aces what about king ask well if you're asking for kings you probably should be looking for a grand yes really so there's a lot of partnerships have an agreement that if you ask for aces or key cards and then you continue on asking for kings you are guaranteeing to your partner that you're not missing any key cards mm -hmm. so if partner has some extra source of tricks or something they can bid seven on their own knowing they won't be off two key cards so even though you haven't done the asking your partner's asked for key cards you've told them then they've asked for kings they are guaranteeing all of the key cards so if you've got an extra suit that's seven cards long and headed by the ace king queen jack you can bid seven on your own how do you keep things simple when you go ace ask king ask well, four no trumps ask for aces, five no trumps ask for king. What could be simpler? Got any other gossip your way? I don't think there's too much. The Swiss Pairs is going on at the Hamilton Club at the moment. They have a three-night event for five A's. Last uh, week, this week. Last week, this week. So we'll so what, see what happens. At table one tomorrow night? I've got one other thing that I want to mention too. No, no, I've got to answer the question. Are you at table one tomorrow mm, it's night? It's like getting interrogated in here, guys. I'm telling you. She's like, <laughs> I will not have you going on to anything else. <laughs> well, he's going to take both bottles of medicine home. No, I think we're lying. We're at, like, we're at table two, actually. Okay. So we 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 like to think we might get to table one, but then we've been disappointed before. I just okay. want to hark back to the area pairs. All right. What? Anna Kama retired as the area pairs coordinator on the weekend. Oh no, she does a great job for Bridge in the Waikato, doesn't she? She does a lot for Bridge in the Waikato, and so she's retired. Ella Gray has taken over, and the news for Anna is. Ella is just retiring as president of the Hamilton Bridge Club, and now she's got this convener job. So Anna's retired as convener of the well, we're, we're area best. What's coming up for her? Yeah, maybe they're going to do a swap. She's not going to sit at home in her old rocking chair. Anna Karma for president of Hamilton. How about that? Yeah, well, well, there you go. There's a go. Well, you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to start building your little placards. <laughs> oh, she's going to put hoarding, election hoardings up to you. <laughs> 
I can see her at home thinking, Barry, don't. It's going to be the end of you, and the finger's going to be wagging. Well, she is a country member of the Hamilton Bridge Club, she so she is. could actually be president. She could. I don't know. We'll see. I think I can hear her now. I think I can. I think she might. She might. Maybe we'll get an email in. What's that address again, Mariana? Bridgezoneshow at gmail.com. Well, that's enough from Barry and I for this week. Thanks so much to all you Bridgezone listeners out there. 11949. That's and amazing. It is. And so it's goodbye from the number one show on Free FM. And I'm delighted to say that. See you next week. Bye for now. New Zealand Bridge, sponsoring Bridge from beginner to international, nationwide. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.